Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Yep, just when you thought it was safe to go back to the podcast app of your choosing, another goddamned episode of Radio J-Dub pops up. Uh, today, we're going we're gonna to get into a subject that is near and dear to the hearts of several people who call themselves baseball fans. Uh, I've really been trying to figure out over the last month or so what the Chicago Cubs are really all about. Uh, the fact that I live just outside of greater Chicagoland uh, means I see a lot of Cubs baseball, and I'm still kind of wondering what what they're all about. Uh, before we get into it, just the uh, normal stuff we usually say at the beginning of every podcast, uh, Radio J-Dub, the audio incarnation of Dubsism, the most interesting independent sports blog uh, out there on the web. You can find us at dubsism.wordpress.com. You can find us on Facebook at dubsism, D-U-B-S-I-S-M. We're on Pinterest. We're on Instagram. We're on Tumblr. We're, we're everywhere. Do a web search for dubsism. You'll find us. Um, having said all that, uh, Today we're going to have a guest with us, and and he's been on this podcast before. We're gonna we're gonna talk to Jason from Indiana. The last time uh, Jason from Indiana was with us, he was gracious enough to talk to us about what it's like to be a Patriots fan in the heart of Indianapolis Colts territory. But being that he's in Indiana, he's also our man on the Chicago Cubs. And so uh, with that, we'd like to welcome Jason to the show today. Jason, how you doing? Good, thanks. How are you? Hey, not too bad. Uh, like I said, I'm trying to figure out what, what the Chicago Cubs are. I, I don't know if that's a team that is supposed to be on up-and-coming status this year. I don't know if that's a team that thinks they're going to contend this year. I mean, you know, as we're recording this, what do you guys like? Got like 42 wins, you're in third place chasing the Pirates and the Cardinals. Is that right? That's correct, but they do have a wild card. I mean, if the season ended today, they would be in. Um, no, yeah, I've, I always, I always love that if the season ended today stuff. Well, I know, uh, but you know. <laughs> okay, so well, I guess, I guess, without you know, giving it a whole lot more uh, talking up front, I'll just, I'll just get into some questions I'd like to throw by you and see if you can help me figure this team out. Okay. Okay, great. All right, first, the first thing I've got on my list is. You're a Cub fan. You've been a Cub fan for a long time. 
all my life. Okay, tell me, tell me what you know or what you think about Tom Ricketts and the ownership group and what they're doing with the team. Well, I'm, I'll start off uh, totally throwing it out there that I was completely wrong about this ownership group when they took o- took over. If you remember right, back when this was going on, Mark Cuban was also throwing you know throwing his name around in there. Yep. Yep. And I want and I wanted him. And and it's not just because I do happen to like Mark Cuban. I think he's entertaining. And but at the time, the finances were Mark Cuban could have just walked in there and written a check and said, "Okay, I own this." The Ricketts had to go into hock for a lot of this stuff, yep. and that worry that worried me at the time because I'm like, you know, okay, if they're going into hock to buy this, they're going to have to be paying that stuff back. Are they going to be able to put the money back into the team and into the ballpark, which they're obviously doing now? And I was worried. I was worried that some of that stuff wouldn't happen, but I was dead wrong. I, I'm. I think they're doing a fantastic job as of as of now. So that you know, first of all, yeah, I I was with you on Mark Cuban. I really thought he would have done some fun things just in general, not only with the Cubs, but he would have really shaken up Major League Baseball, which is exactly why Bud Selig blackballed him. I think we exactly. all know that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so. Right. So that old boy network. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, yeah, the guy who brought us Frank McCourt, but I won't even get into that argument. Um, uh, so that, I take that to mean that you approve of, of Ricketts and what he's done so far. I do because I feel like he's hired Theo Epstein, which you mentioned my Patriots thing. That's kind of the Bob Kraft situation. He writes the checks. He lets Bill Belichick handle the football. And I feel like uh, Ricketts has hired Epstein, and he's letting Epstein handle the baseball, and he's just writing the checks and doing the, you know, the other things that owners need to do. But he's not, you know, George Steinbrenner down there, you know, trying to run baseball operations or you know anything like that. Okay. Well, you you mentioned writing the checks, uh, and that's that goes right to the next thing I really want to ask a, a Cub fan about, and that is. Okay, all the stuff we're doing to Wrigley Field, is this – do you approve of this? Do you not approve of this? Do you have any criticism, comments? I mean, a lot of people think Wrigley Field is hallowed ground that shouldn't be screwed with. Where are you at on that? Okay. Well, first of all, I will say, and I'll probably catch some hell from other Cub fans, it wouldn't bother me or it wouldn't have bothered me if they would have moved out of Wrigley Field and went to a suburb, you know, I don't know. There were a few that were bandied about, but I think that was all just kind of saber-rattling. I don't think it was ever actually going to happen. But to build, you know, a replica of Wrigley Field, kind of like the Yankees did with their new Yankee Stadium, and have access to it. You've been to Wrigley Field, correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a lot of fun to get in and out of there, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I make it a point. I mean, just getting there from – from where it is, I, I make it a point to, to ride the L. I don't ever drive yeah. the Wrigley, but just, yeah, physically I, getting from the L to your seat can be a challenge. Right. And I take, and I like bus trips. I take the bus trips from here because then they just drop you off at the door. Because to park within an eight mile radius of that place, you're going to pay at minimum 30 bucks. And get your car broken into. And get yeah, yeah, fifty-fifty chance of whether your car is still going to be there when you get back. Now, ha- right. having said all that, 
you know, it's it's such a weird situation up there because of the Chicago politics and the fact that they've named Bridgefield this landmark. So it's not like, you know, you, you see, well, the Padres moved the fences in this year or the Mets moved the fences in or they added this. You can't do that at Wrigley Field. It takes an act of Congress to do anything. No, that's, yeah, well, I mean, look at what you're going through right now, absolutely. Exactly. But as far as putting up the scoreboards and, uh, you know, some of the modernization they're they're going to be doing, this is a five-year project. This is nowhere near finished. Um, They're going, they bought, I don't know when you were there, but there used to be a McDonald's across the street from, from Ridley Field, and they bought all that land, and they're going to build a hotel, which will be – I mean, all of, getting to all of this is, yes, I approve of it all because it's all going to end up making money for the, for the team. Well, and it's also going to make money for the city of Chicago. That's why I well, agree that, with you that, that, that whole thing about moving out to DuPage County or, you uh-huh. know – Rockford or wherever the fuck they were talking about, that was never going to happen because yeah, you know you so and either. I, you and I, well, you and I both been to Wrigley lots of times, and you know that going to a ball game at Wrigley, um, your crowd is really sp- split into three groups. You have you have one group that is actual Chicago Cub fans. You have right. another group that are just Chicago local people going to a ball game. And then you have another group, and these groups vary in size depending on the day of the week and whoever's in town. But the third group is people who are there just to say they've been to Wrigley. You right. Know? And there are right some there. days, yeah, and, and there are some days when that's that's the majority of the people in the ballpark is just the uh, the people. You know, you you could stand you could stand out front for half an hour waiting to take your picture in front of the statue of Ernie Banks because everybody mm-hmm. there is doing it. Yeah. Okay. Now, the reason why I mention that is, so, yeah, okay, the city of Chicago knows that this is, they're going to haul in tourist money like crazy on this. Don't you think that the idea of the big jumbotron is all about sticking it to the rooftop owners? A little bit. I mean, they are going to make a lot of money off of selling advertising and stuff on that. But, yeah, a little bit. And I've always had mixed feelings on the rooftop owner thing because, on one hand, hey, they're sitting over there watching games for free all these years, and then they get the idea, oh, well, I can make some money off of this. Well, that's not right, you know. <laughs> but so then, they're, but, kind of, they're kind of the live version of people stealing cable. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, or or downloading songs off the Internet. I mean, you know. But But then, you know, there was that dispute, and – it was. I believe it was still under Tribune Company ownership at the time. The Cubs made a stupid, stupid agreement with them. Do you remember with the year? And I think it lasted for like two weeks. They put up those quote unquote wind yeah. barriers. Yeah, right? uh, yeah. I knew you were field. going here. Yep. Yeah. And then they made some kind of an agreement where you know the Cubs get like seventeen percent of whatever they take in over there or whatever. So, okay, so now they have. Now they have a legal agreement. Now you want to, the Cubs want to come back and say, well, you know, maybe maybe not so much. And it's like, I think it was a stupid agreement to enter into with them. They don't have, in my opinion anyway, and I'm certainly no lawyer, but I don't see where they had any legal grounds to say we have the right to sit up here and watch free baseball every day. 
and not only that, but to make money off of it in the process. And well, I, I, and then it it gets complex because I agree with you. Yeah, they were they were tapping in for free, but on the other hand. They turned those buildings. You remember what those buildings across the street looked like before they put the rooftop shit up there? They were, they were run down. I mean, half of them were partially abandoned, and then all of a sudden they figured out how to make money, and they started paying some heavy-duty tax revenues, which meant, hey, oh, now the city of Chicago is on your side with this, and that's that's why this became such a such a clusterfuck when it came to the, to the political angle. Yeah, definitely, and. And that's why I said that's why I've always been kind of split on the issue because, yeah, you're right. They're, you know, the taxes and all the revenue and stuff. But, you know, as far as the board, yeah, I think I think some of it is that on the jumbo boards. But it's also, you know, I don't – don't get me wrong. I love Wrigley Field. I always have. And I love the tradition and I love all that, you know, being able to sit there and say, well, you know, Babe Ruth played on this field. Stan Maju, Stan Usual played on this field. Ernie Banks played on this. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But on the on the other hand, the place was also falling apart. Yeah. Oh and, yeah. You know, there were at that one time there were nets above the concourse to catch the falling pieces of concrete that were coming mm-hmm. out of the. So I remember those. Be, yeah, something had to be done there, and you know. I said those video boards are going to make them some money. I mean, there's ad, oh, you know the ad revenue and and, the, and on that kind of thing. And you know, I and I haven't been there in person since they put that stuff up. I've only seen it on TV. It's kind of like to me. It's kind of like the lights. I remember when they put the lights up in 1988. Oh God! You thought that was you thought that was the end of the world. The screaming right. you heard out of some people. Right. You know, it looked kind of funny at first because you weren't used to it, but by now, I'm used to it, and it's just kind of there. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's it's become a fact of life. I mean, night baseball at Wrigley used to be an oddity. Now it's, I mean, it's the rule. I mean, they play right. more night games than they do day games, so. Yeah. Um, and they should. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I agree. Um you know, I'm I'm an old school guy. I would love to see more day games when we get to the World Series, but you know that's that's well, a topic I agree, for another I agree time. with you there. I agree with you there. So overall, you approve you approve of Ricketts. You approve of the renovation of Wrigley Field. You get what that's all about. You're fine with that. You're not one of these guys, like we said, the you know the people that you know started slicing their wrists over the light towers and that kind of shit. Yeah. No. Okay. So with I'm, that, let's 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 get to what's on the field because that's you know what we really want to talk about. Like I said in the opening, I don't really understand what this team is all about. And so I want to ask you from a fan perspective, what were your expectations of this team coming into the season versus what do you think of them now? Okay. Well, and this is going to sound, you know, leave yourself open to jokes. The last four or five years have been pretty miserable as a Cubs fan. Well, obviously. Here's the joke the last hundred years, whatever. But I'm, <laughs> I'm not Tom Brenneman. I'm not going to bring that up. <laughs> but when they hired Epstein, it was pretty clear what his plan was. And they, they couldn't come out and say, hey, we're going to stink for a few years, but hang in there because we know what we're doing. But that's basically what they said. You know, they didn't mm-hmm. say those words. And uh, they've restocked the farm system. 
obviously they've got one of the top rated farm systems in baseball now where they used to be nothing. Oh yeah. And starting to see some of those young guys come up and they're going to have control over these guys for a long time. Now, me going into this season, I thought, okay, we're going to have all these young guys, and you know, and they had signed John Lester. That's great. Um, I, I was like 500. I would have been satisfied with 500 as poor as things had been the last few years. But now, you know, here we are in July, and like I said earlier, they are right now a wild card spot holder, and I know that doesn't mean anything in July, but it's better than not being a wild card spot holder. <laughs> well, that's that's true. I'll give you that. And and realistically, I can't expect them to catch the Cardinals, and I can't explain that either because the Cardinals are missing their best pitcher. Here's my rant, or one rant. The Cardinals, <laughs> are, they've been missing, you know, they just put John Jay on the DL. They've had uh, Holiday on the DL. They've had... All these guys hurt. I swear to God, you could put nine monkeys in Cardinals uniforms and run them out there, and they're going to win 90 games. I don't know how they do it. I don't know. But whatever. For for some reason, the Cardinals, for some reason, the Cardinals, when a guy goes down, there must be something in the water there. Just another guy steps up, you know, because I'm watching that Cardinal team, and I'm like, who is this fucking Colton Wong guy? And why does he look like a Hall of Famer all of a sudden, you know. Mark Mark Reynolds is is playing first base and and beating the Cubs last you know last week and yeah yeah I, <laughs> yeah you, you know so, when he's not getting one of his two hundred strikeouts he's hitting a three right. run home run yeah right. I, I hear exactly. you <clears throat> but <clears throat> from here on out and, and I'm not saying they can't catch the Cardinals but it's not very likely especially since. So far, they haven't really been able to beat them consistently, and that hurts, although they do have another shot at them coming up. But realistically, I think uh, Cubs fans can expect them to contend for a wild card spot, you know, possibly get – I would – obviously, you'd rather get the first one as opposed to the one that's the single elimination game. Right. But I don't see any reason – the way they're currently constituted, and we'll see what kind of moves come up here at the trade deadline. I don't see any reason why they can't at least contend for that. And then once you're in, you're in, and you know anything can happen. Okay, well let me let me ask you this. And I look at that team, and, and from your comments, I kind of think you might agree with me, but I'll just throw it out there. I I look at this team as a team that, like you said, had a timeline for going from zero to contender. And I honestly look at them, and I think that they're kind of, at least Theo and Jed and the boys in the front office, I think they're surprised at where they're at. I I don't think they expected to be this good this quick. I I really think they were looking more 2016, 2017 to pull into the left lane and give some people in that division a a race. Uh, Do you agree with that or do you not agree with that? No, I do agree with that, and and that's the way I feel about it too. Yeah, I'm pleasantly surprised that they're they're better than I thought they were going to be. Well, and let me tell you why I think that, and, there, and there's two reasons. And and one, if they really thought that they were going to contend this year, then last year trading Jeff Samarja doesn't make any sense because if you thought you were going to be able to make a race with him and you still had him under contract before, you know, somebody's going to drive a dump truck full of money up in front of him next year. 
then, you know, why trade him and go out and sign John Lester? Um, you know, I mean, okay, I get you got Addison Russell in that deal, and he looks like he's going to be a star of the future. But, you know, would you, you don't really need a star second baseman if you're going to go deep in the playoffs, but you need a number one. And that pitching staff right now, with, with the absence of Samarja, has no number one, right? Or are you uh, a Lester guy? No, I'm well. I, I I am, but earlier podcast of yours I listened to. I know you'd mentioned that you didn't think he was number one, and I would tend to agree with that. But I think their pitching is better than a lot of people realize. I'm looking at some numbers right here as we speak, and the guy that I really really like is Arietta. Um. Do tell. You know, he's eight and five. He's got a two eighty ERA, uh, a one point oh three WHIP. I, you know, hundred and six innings pitched, only eighty six hits allowed. A lot of strikeouts, hundred and ten strikeouts, and hundred and six innings. And I'm not saying that necessarily makes him number one, but you know, I'm just like I said, I look up and down. We got. Uh, we got the Clayton Richards start yesterday, the hometown boy. I, yeah, I want to. I want to get. I want to get to him, and let's let's do this. Let's come back to the to the pitching question because okay. I've got I've got other things to discuss there. I I want to get to my second reason why I think the Cubs are surprised where they are, and and I think that I don't think they had any intention of bringing Chris Bryant up this year until all of a sudden he's ripping the cover off the ball in the Cactus League and that whole shit started about why is he not coming north with the club. I think they wanted to leave him in Iowa and not start the clock on him until next year. And then they realized that, you know, they they didn't have a choice. If they didn't bring him up, the Cubs fans were going to revolt on him. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. And the Samarja thing that you mentioned earlier, I agree with that too. Yeah, you don't trade him if you're planning on being a contender the very next year. Yeah, and, I'm, you know, unless they they plan on getting in the, uh, you know, the the Samarja sweepstakes uh, at the end of the year, because I don't see, I don't see, the, I don't see the White Sox trading him. I mean, I think they might try, but I don't think anybody's gonna go for rent a player on him. But like I said, that's all pitching stuff. We'll come back to that. Um, okay. One of the things that I think made a difference for this club is um, the Joe Madden factor. I think Joe Madden has proved that he is, he's a difference maker in the dugout. Do you agree? Totally agree. I've heard you say this before, because I know you follow the angels and I know you've always said that you felt like he was kind of the brains behind Mike Sosha as the Benz coach out there with them. Oh, and well, then- Mike Sosha is not the brains behind Mike Sosha. I'll tell you that's <laughs> fucking much. Well, I, I mean, you would know more about the Angels than I do. But, yeah, seeing him in Tampa and what he did with their young players. And the thing I the thing I like about Madden is he's not old school, conventional. You know, not a guy like – I hate to pick on the individual guys, but I'm going to do it anyway. A guy like Brian Price, okay, for the Reds, <laughs> who, who publicly comes out and says, I will not use Aroldis Chapman in a tie game in the ninth inning. Why? 
and, and here we go. Here's going to be my rant about closers, because you know I uh. hate closers. I hate the save rule. I hope Mike Royko is burning in hell right now for inventing that. <laughs> okay? If you're okay. in the eighth inning with a two-run lead, the other team has two guys on, and their best hitter coming up, why the hell wouldn't you pull your theoretical best pitcher out of the bullpen? Boy, I really hope you've got a blood pressure pill handy because I know where you're <laughs> going with this. Yeah. Uh, um, That's well, when the game I, I needs agree. to be stayed. Not, not the Lee Smith coming in with a three-run lead in the ninth and facing the 7-8-9 and nine hitter and, oh, ain't I great, i got to say. That doesn't yeah. be dead. I mean, <laughs> and, and, well, and Madden be- does, does things like that. I mean, he'll – and he and I know that he does his homework. He do, he he looks at at you know trends and his history on guys. You know I see Brian Price. I see Matt Williams. These guys keep bringing in the lefty to face Rizzo in the game when they don't know. All they have to do is look and see that Rizzo's hitting near 400 against lefties this year. He's well, not. You, you know he's not the monument. The monument to this specialization of the bullpens in baseball is Jesse Orozco. I mean, that that name goes back a couple of years. But here's a guy that got well over 1,000 major league appearances, and literally 70% of them were to come in and strike out a left-hander, and that's it. Yep. What the fuck is that? Like I said, you know, Lee Smith was the king of that. You know, I mean, there was – there was legendary stories that he used to sleep down the bullpen until the eighth inning, and you know, I, you know, I just I don't I don't have much use for closers. You know, right now the Cubs it looks like they've trended towards using Mott more in that role. It was Rondon in the beginning of the year. That's fine for me. I think unless it's Mariano Rivera or maybe Kimbrel or Chapman. Closers are a dime a dozen, and they usually fan out in a year or two. Not very many of them sustain their ability to close a game like Mariano Rivera did over as long as he did. You can almost well, always find one. That's why I don't believe in paying closers big money. You can make somebody a closer. I mean, I wholeheartedly agree with that. As a guy who's watched a lot of Twins baseball in his life, I'll bring up his everyday Eddie Guardado. I mean, there you go. Yeah, you know. All of a sudden, I mean, here's a guy. Here's a guy, you know, that was a, a mop catcher. You bring him in in the sixth inning of a thirteen to two ball game. It doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, uh, he's a closer, getting you know, getting forty saves a year. And then they dump, you know, they dump a couple of million dollars into him and realize, oh shit, we just gave a lot of money to Eddie fucking Guardado. What did we do that? Mm-hmm. You know, or. You know, look at the other side of town uh, with the White Sox. Remember good old Bobby Thigpen and everybody went yep. crazy? He had 57 saves one year. Yeah, well, did you notice the 10 blown saves he also had? Oh, no, no. Right. No, we don't worry about that. But So I agree with you. Um, going, back, going back to factors that I think helped this Cubs team be where it is, and what we both agree is ahead of schedule, Um we talked about Joe Madden being a difference maker in the dugout. It sounds like you're going to agree with me on this one. I think Theo Epstein and Jed Clampett or whatever his name is, uh, and Boyer. the rest of the <laughs> I know, I know, I, I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't resist the Beverly Hillbillies joke, you know. I know. God forbid I find somebody on their mailing list who's named Jethro. You'll never hear the end of it. Oh, um, yeah. So 
but seriously, those guys have made a difference in the front office. This is this is a lot better than the uh, Lynch and Farmer years, if you remember those. I certainly do. And and I go back even before that. You know, there was. <laughs> it used to be the front office. You know, they would go throw money at Candy Maldonado or <laughs> George Bell. Or, you know, somebody like that. And, of course, they were, you know, past their prime and washed up at the time. You know, as opposed to, you know, biting the bullet like they like, like Epstein and Hoyer have done. You know, like I said, we know the Cubs have been pretty bad the last three or four or five years. Now you're reaping the rewards of that. You know, this was an actual rebuild. They have rebuilt this franchise. You hear that throw that word thrown around a lot, but I think this is an actual you know where it actually applies. Oh, I would agree with that, and I think you know they've done it in terms of you know to use your analogy, rebuilding. You know they weren't just slapping a new roof on on the building that was falling apart. They they redid the foundation, and you mentioned that when you talked about Cubs are loaded in the farm system. They're yeah. loaded. Yeah. You know, and that's. That's even after you brought up um, Bryant and and Russell and you know you know you, you you've you've got talent both at the major league level and in the minors, and that makes me that makes me just come back to the pitching, and that is okay. So you've got all this talent down on the farm, but is the pitching not ready yet, or do you just not have any? I don't think they have nearly as much pitching as they have position players. I, they have a few guys down there that I see uh, and look around at, but not nearly as much. And no, they're not ready. And okay, that's why, so that's one reason why I think they went and wrote a big fat check to John Lester. Yeah, uh, we all know my opinion on John Lester. I, I, I don't think he's a number one guy. I wouldn't give him number one money, but. Okay, well, I, and I don't disagree. I don't disagree with you, but I don't think he's a bad guy to have either. I mean, he's not, you know, CC Sebastian well, at this point either. <laughs> well, I mean, he's a solid number three. I'll give you that. Um, and I think the wild card. You mentioned this name earlier, but uh, you know, the hometown hero, uh, Clayton Richard. We, we call him the hometown hero because he's from the town that uh, Jason from Indiana and I. Both live in, and we both know this guy. Wasn't he like a Mr. Football or something? Uh, I think so. He played football and baseball at, at Michigan. He was like the backup yeah. quarterback. Right. Well, he played much, but yeah, he was good. He was a double sport guy. Okay, so anyway, he's, you know, he's a guy and had, had a nice career uh, with the Padres, and I believe that was the Theo Epstein Padres, if I'm correct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, so here's another guy that Epstein goes out, gets one of his old guys, you know, Ergo Rizzo, Ergo John Lester, mm-hmm. and from what I saw yesterday, it looks like that shoulder that cost him his job in uh, San Diego looks uh, looks fixed to me. I know he went through a uh, minor league camp with the Pirates, and the yeah. Pirates were trying to rehab him because, I mean, you can never have too many left-handed starters, let's be honest. And yeah. if he... If he pitches at even 75% of what he was when the Padres were trying to convince us he was a number one pitcher, all of a sudden you got a 
nice three four guy and a lefty in the middle of that rotation that that can't hurt absolutely yeah I liked what I saw out of him yesterday I don't I mean, expect I will, that every time out they were playing I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you the pump the brakes factor here because let's not forget he looked good against the Stantonless Miami Marlins yeah that's you know, yeah you know, and, and let's let's be honest. That's that's like catching a shark with no teeth. You know. Yeah. Um, but when you can, doesn't matter who the batters are. If you can hit your spots and show a little bit of velocity and show that you can throw three pitches for strikes, and you're lefty, fuck, I'll take that. Why not? Yeah, especially since they didn't give anything up for him. It was all for cash considerations. They didn't give up well, yeah. give up any prospects or anything. So. If if something happens and he breaks down again or it doesn't work out, it's not like they're out much. No, that's that's true. It's not like, you know, you're the Giants who, you know, shit, they relied on Jake Peavy last year, and, and that, that paid off for them. They got lucky. I mean, the Giants don't win that World Series if Peavy blows that shoulder out again in the middle of September. Let's right. be honest. You know? Right. So, um, so... Uh, when we're talking about pitching, I mean, you know, the, the Cubs, I mean, the, the trade deadline's coming up here. I mean, are they buyers or sellers? I think they're going to be buyers. I don't think it's going to be a huge splash buy, you know. I don't think it's going to be Cole Hamels, which I keep, I've been hearing that since spring training. I don't think it's well, going to be anything like that. Every other day I wake up and I look at my Twitter feed and, you know, Cole Hamels is going here, Cole Hamels is going right. there, Cole, hey, uh, he's, hey, he's going somewhere. I have the feeling, I have the feeling, well, I'm going to say two things. One's about Cole Hamels and one's about the Cubs, and then you can field those in whichever order. Uh, one, Cole Hamels, I have this feeling that the Phillies want, like, the moon and the stars for him. And the second thing, and this is about the Cubs, it, if the Cubs are making a deal, I have this really weird feeling that no matter what the deal is, whoever they make the deal with has to take Starlin Castro. You think? I, I get this feeling that Cubs fans want him out of town on the next train. There's a lot of them that do, but I'm not one of them. Okay. Well, and I remember having a conversation with you about Starlin Castro years back where you were – down on him, and I said, well, you know, shortstops that get 200 hits a year don't grow on trees. And then the minute I said that, he hasn't done it since. <laughs> you know? That's so, true. And then, and then, you know, yeah, the guy makes highlight real plays, but he blows average ground balls. Uh, and I know, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention a name, and, you know, I may have to genuflect for Cubs fans when I say this, but in a lot of ways, I see his inconsistency reminding me a lot of Shawan Dunstan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, I mean, Shawan Dunstan made us all realize what a great first baseman Mark Grace was. This is true. Yeah, okay. So anyway, I think I think that, you know, the Cubs are done with Castro, but they don't have they don't have anybody to replace I me. Mean, John Herrera is not your answer at shortstop. That's that's not going to work. No. Um no. But uh, do you agree with me? You, you said you're not a Castro basher. What what's Castro's upside to you then? Well, I mean, I guess maybe I'm still hanging on to those, you know, 200 hit years a couple of years ago. As far as the defensive stuff, 
there's a lot of guys that make great plays and then, you know, boot an easy ground ball. And I think I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna train some of the blame on the Castro hate to uh, number one baseball douchebag of all time, Bobby Valentine, because <laughs> I don't know if it was his rookie year or his second year. They, the Cubs were playing on – I'll never forget this. They were playing on Sunday night, and he had one of those ADD plays. And Valentine just went on and on. And, I mean, for innings upon innings about this, about how you know terrible this was. And, and I think that resonated around, you know – that that was uh, that was before Valentine's uh, brilliant uh, Red Sox year. Well, and you know, was he wearing a fake mustache when he said it? Yeah, um, he might have. He might have been. I. Yeah. But I just. Yeah. You know, there's just something about the kid that I do like. I see the potential. I mean, he's done it. I know he's not having a great year this year either. Um. I guess if. If they were to be able, if they were to move him and got you know what they needed for him, and they could still shore up the infield without him, I mean, I, I would I would live with it. But I'm just, I wouldn't be actively shopping him around. Do you think? Do you think it's because Castro is one of those guys that I I not so lovingly referred to as the next Cubs Hall of Famer? And that's because these these guys would come up in those years that you talked about that the Cubs were so bad that anybody who came up with even B-level talent was going to be a superstar. And in that group, I've got Giovanni Soto and Darwin Barney and Castro. Looks like he might be falling into this group. Is 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 it is it a, a thing where Cubs fans were just hanging on to something in those terrible days and they it would like to well see be. like. Because Castro's the only one that's still around, um, you know. I, I heard I heard a little bit of that buzz starting a couple of years ago around Junior Lake, and then that died real quick. Yeah, um, I, I I never saw that with him. Yeah, I I I remember hearing that and then seeing him in person at Wrigley, and I went, "Yeah, this is not going to happen." But yeah. uh, so okay, so you think you think that there's a possibility that the Cubs are gonna just say, Okay, fuck it, we're contenders. Come the last week in July, they gotta make a deal. You got a wish list? I mean, and not even in terms of exact names, but just, you know, is where do you think your your team's got needs? Bullpen. You can never have too much bullpen. Well, you guys could have I mean I Realistically, what you ought to do is line up the Cubs bullpen and the White Sox bullpen, and you know, like you know, first guy that can't throw three strikes in a row, you know, they just you know, like you just keep weeding them off, you know, you know, and like or you know, you you have them play like three on three basketball, and the losers have to play for the White Sox, and the winners have to play for the Cubs, or you know, but they're interchangeable because they're all terrible, is what I'm saying. Well, and that's and they do have, uh, and I don't know whether this will end up being in, of anything of this or not, but they did sign Rafael Soriano, and he's in the minors right now. I, I'm not sure if it's because he was coming off an injury or whether it was just because no team wanted him and he didn't have a spring training or anything. But I well, do expect I... to see him at some point, and I don't know whether that'll, you know, be good or bad. I mean, but it, but it is a possibility. Well, what's it say about Soriano that in a league where, you know, bullpen guys are valuable, that that's where he is? 
Well, that, yeah, you know. that, I mean, that does concern me. And that's why I'm not, you know, in any way, shape, or form saying, well, there's the, there's the answer. As soon as he comes up, all problems solved. I don't know, but, you know, it, it, I get, they signed him for very little, too. So Right. Well, let me tell you what I think, because I look, I look at that, that Cubs uh, roster, and, yeah, bullpen, number one. Uh, another thing, I'm kind of looking for, and, I, you know, depending on what's out there, what it costs me, but I wouldn't mind another bat, especially if he's a corner outfielder. You know, I, would, I'm, I'm, I would agree. I would agree. Um, uh, another thing, and this is this is back to the Starlin Castro deal, and it's you know I don't know how you feel about this, but you know the Colorado Rockies telling me they're not trading Troy Tulowitzki, which means they're listening to offers. Well, you know, that, that's probably taking on a little bit more money than you want to deal with, considering you know the at the rate you're going, this team's going to have a payroll issue in a couple of years because. Uh, when's, I mean, when's Rizzo a free agent? Uh, he just re-signed up. I think he's got another six or seven years yet. Oh, so they've locked him. They've got him locked up for. They a locked. Bit. They locked him up a year or two ago. I can't. I'm not exactly uh, okay. positive, but yeah, they've because they got they've got him for the stretch. They've got Bryant, you know, because of the holding him down in the minors at the beginning of the year, which I. Totally agree with this. I don't care what Keith Oberman says. I don't care what, you know, all of these other geniuses say. You know, I think that was the right thing to do. You you sacrifice two weeks of him to have him for an extra year. Well, and not to mention, I think that, you know, if it weren't for the fact that he, you know, hit, what, nine or ten home runs in the Cactus League, then he'd still be in Iowa today. Yeah, you may I be right. Think, I don't think they wanted to bring him up at all. But like I said, they couldn't, couldn't – uh, you know, when, when, the, when the court of public opinion decided that he belonged in the majors, then they were just, you know, when the soonest we can bring him up. And speaking of which, wasn't that the most conveniently timed injury in the history of baseball when Michael went down? Because he came up as the starting third baseman. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. 12, days, 12 days into the season, he's got leprosy or whatever's got him on the 60-day DL. <laughs> um, so... All right, any, any anything else on uh, on the trade wish list or you know? Um, I've I've heard the name Ben Zobris thrown around, uh, former Madden guy in Tampa. Yeah, I don't know how realistic it is, but I mean, yeah, you said another bat. I would at least like, if, if nothing else, I would like to uh, fortify the bench a little bit because there's not much there. I mean, like you, you mentioned Jonathan Herrera. You know, you've got. Mike Baxter, Junior uh, Lake, uh, you know, not a lot coming off the bench. Matt you know, Caesar, you know. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. It, I, I would, I wouldn't mind, you know, some, some better bench players because Madden does also like to uh, give guys days off occasionally and play those guys. I wish he wouldn't. That's the only complaint I would have about Madden so far. Is I wish he wouldn't sit three or four guys on the same day and play the play the bench. Uh, you know, that was an old dusty move. Well, yeah, that's true. Um, but Joe Madden is no dusty. Let's let's not no, sully no, no, no. his name with shit like that. Um, no, and, and, you know. and if that's the only thing, the only negative I can bring up about him, then that's okay. Because I do, 
even when Dusty did it, I do believe those guys on the bench do need to play once in a while. When you when you do call on them to pinch hit or whatever, you want them to not having sat there and grown cobwebs for a week and then expect them to go up and get a big hit for you. No, absolutely. Unless you know, unless you can make you know every bench guy Lenny Harris, you know, <laughs> guy that can just guy that can just grab a bat and go get you a single whenever you needed it. You know, it's like you know, oh, I, I was in the middle of a cheeseburger, but yeah, you need a hit, no problem. I got that. Yeah. You know, love love Lenny um, Harris. And it, well, let me ask you a question since we're talking about the bullpen a little bit here. You know, Travis Wood, has he ever got a shot to get back in the rotation? <sighs> I would say no because I would have thought that he would have taken those couple of starts when uh, Wada went down instead of bringing up that Don Roach who was terrible. Yeah. I would have thought that Wood would have just slid in there. And that's kind of disappointing to me because I remember when the when they made that trade and he had a pretty good first year with the Cubs and I thought, you know, not not your ace or anything, but I thought, you know, a 3-4 starter, I thought he was going to be pretty solid, but I, I don't know what's happened to him. I, that, that was I was going to be my next question is, you know, do you remember the day when Travis Wood looked like he might turn into a 1-2 type pitcher and that just that was the fleetingest of glimpses, and, and now he's in the bullpen and probably never getting out. Uh, what happened yeah. to you? You got, got I, a thought on that? I have no idea. I really don't. I He didn't have any injuries that I can remember. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, if I'm not mistaken, he may have even been an all-star his first year with the Cubs, or if not, he was, you know, on the cusp. I was going to say, if, if he was an all-star, he was one of those – uh, and this is a shout out to my Minnesota Twins fans. Friends, uh, uh, he was a, he was a, an all star like Ron Coomer was an all star. If uh, you know what I mean. Every team has to have one. Yeah, pretty much. You know, <laughs> um, you know, you go back go back to the days when uh, you know. I mean, the Cubs when the Cubs were terrible, but they always got Ryan Sandberg voted in. Yeah. Um, and, and speaking of Ryan Sandberg. Um, we don't do these these podcasts live because Ryan Meehan and I tried doing it once. The idea of dealing with callers was a fucking nightmare. But somebody somebody you can do a live chat thing on the on the site where we do this, and a guy's asking us a question, and I want to throw this question at you because it's actually not stupid. Okay. Um, this guy's like, is there a place in the Cubs organization now for Ryan Sandberg? Well, I would think so. Um... The thing I, the Sandberg thing, I guess, I, I, I mean, how could you blame him for the Phillies, for one? I'm, and I'm not saying that he's well, yeah. some kind of great manager, and just, I, but I mean that whole organization is a tire fire right now. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> about it. I had I had a lot of respect for Sandberg because when he decided that he wanted to manage. He wasn't, uh, well, I'm Ryan Sandberg, Hall of Famer. I want to manage the team. No, he went down to the minors, and he rode the buses, and he kind of basically, like a player, started over. He worked his way up from single A to double A, you know, and learned how to manage, so to speak. And then the Cubs saw fit not to hire him. I don't know whether that was – I mean, I'm very happy with Madden now, and, and I'm sure Madden is better than Sandberg would ever be. But at the time, it was kind of like, you know, this guy kind of, you know, 
swallowed his pride, so to speak, and went down and and did all this work, and then you you know you you said no thanks. Right. But well, I think I think I think the timing was all wrong for Sandberg to be the manager of of the Cubs because at the time you would have given him the job. I mean, he was he would have got a team that was in the shape that the Phillies are in now. Mm-hmm. So he basically becomes what Tom Hanks was in a league of their own. He's your old superstar. He comes out and waves his hat, and everybody, all the Cubs fans go, ooh, Ryan, and then three years later you got to fire him because the team's shitty. That's, you know? that's, Look, that's the other thing to it because ultimately, you know, 99% of managers you're hiring them knowing that someday you're going to have to fire him, and the Cubs don't want to have to fire Ryan Chambers. Exactly, because that's that's exactly what the White Sox are going through right now with Robin Ventura. If Robin mm-hmm. Ventura, if Robin Ventura were Mike Quaddy or Rick Renneria or any other manager, his ass would have got fired about six weeks ago. Yep. but he's Robin Ventura, and they don't want to fire. You know, you know he's he's uh you know he's he's part of the the fabric of that franchise for whatever reason. Um, yeah. So. All right. Well, let's let's bring this to a close. I'm going to ask you one one last question about the Cubs, and it's September fifteenth. Where are where are the Cubs in terms of a race? Um, probably right where they are right now. To be honest, like I said, I don't see them catching the Cardinals. Um, not impossible, but highly unlikely. And like, like I said, whatever they're doing in St. Louis, I don't know what it is. But I, um, wild card contender at least, if not, you know, owning a wild card spot at that time. I'm going to assume that before the trade deadline here at the end of the month that they're going to do something. Like I said, I don't think it's going to be a huge, you know, splash. You know, like I said, Cole Hamels or uh, whoever else is out there. Um, you mentioned Tulitsky in that trade. I, I, I would give up Castro to get him, but that, I don't think that's going to happen either. I think it's going to be, uh, you know, a bullpen guy or two. It's going to be a bench guy or two, uh, you know, just to kind of sew things up. And I think you're pretty much going to have to go with what you got. Well, and also, you know, we talked about the fact that the Cubs have one of the fatter farm systems. You know, you're going to have to part with some of that. Right, and I and I don't know how willing they are to do that. I I I don't know if they want to mortgage their future. I think I think they spent right. I think they spent too much time building this because I think that what Epstein is trying to do is trying to take the Cubs from being a perennial fourth place or worst to a perennial second place or better, and that's an order of magnitude change because A, you have to have the farm system and B, you have to have the balance of major league talent and payroll and, you know, the other pieces are there. They've got the fan base. They've got enough. They can they can, they can can get a huge bandwagon fan base in no time. I mean, if, if you're in the middle yeah. of September and the Cubs look like they're heading for the playoffs, you're going to be amazed how many lifelong Cubs fans we're going to discover. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So, Okay. Um, any any final thoughts on uh, your 2015 Chicago Cubs? Uh, well, like like I said, uh, the Richard thing. If that if that's that's going to be a big key, you know, let's see him. He's going to have 
two or three more starts before the trade deadline. Let's see how he holds up and how he ends up looking. Because he can't be any worse than uh, Wada, that that Japanese guy. I I have, you know, no use for him. Well, you won't have to have a translator on the payroll. I'm pretty sure that he's still... (laughs) Uh, speak English uh, between uh, Lafayette, Indiana, and Chicago, Illinois. I mean, yeah. uh, I mean they are worlds apart. But let's be honest, uh, English, as always, still spoken. Right. And this is this is what it, for me as a Cubs fan. This is what I've always wanted to see. I've always wanted you know to see a team built from their farm system. I mean, the Cubs have had in the past. They've had prospects. You know, you Kevin Ory. Does anybody remember that name? You know, he was supposed to come up and be great. Uh, he Sop Choi. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, they, they've had these guys, but, you know, the guys that they've got up now, and, and like, even a guy like Rizzo, I know he didn't come up through their organization, but, you know, he's only 25 years old. And I think, you know, he's having his best his best year yet to date. You know, Bryant is going to be there. Russell is, like you said, he's steadily going to be there. Um, Solaire, he's coming off the DL today. I yep. got to notice. So, um, I don't know what they're going to do with that Schwarber, the kid from IU. Yeah. Uh, because he's a catcher. <laughs> but I do like Montero, and I thought that was a good trade. Uh, to bring to, you know to bring him in. This is where get off on a bit of a tangent here. You're more of an American League guy, aren't you? Don't your teams mostly American League teams that you interested uh, in? Yeah, yeah. I, it's just from you know where I lived and hating the Dodgers. Uh, yeah, um, that's true. I've had, I've had this argument for over a year now with a couple of my friends that are Cubs fans. I think it's time for the National League to bring in the DH. Um, I'm tired of watching John Lester go up there and look like a 10-year-old kid trying to get a hit in Little League. You know, I mean, I'm just – and it's not just to pick on him because there's a lot of them. And everybody always wants to bring up, well, what about Carlos Zambrano or what about – you know, you're talking about two or three guys, but most of the time these pitchers just look awful up there. And that's no fun. I mean (laughs) – I'm split on this because um, I'm a bit of an old school guy, and I think you know everybody should everybody should take their 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 turns. Um, one downside of having the DH is that you know you get a lot more beanball wars in the American League because pitchers don't have to take their turn in the box. Um, but on the other hand, I totally see your point. There's there's nothing worse, and, and you know, I watch a lot of Giants baseball too, and that's that's being a, a fact of having a, you know a very anti-Dodger bias. But there's nothing right. worse than watching Tim Lincecum, who's a right-handed pitcher, go up to the plate and have no chance of hitting because he can't hit a lick. But he bats left-handed, which means his pitching arm is the one that's going to get broken when he takes a fastball off the elbow. Right. And, you know. Now, granted, Tim Lincecum is not the Tim. Lincecum five years ago, so it's not a big deal. But when he was having those 300 strikeout seasons and looking like, you know, the second coming of Christy Mathewson, I'd see him go up to the plate and just like, oh, God, don't let this be the day he gets drilled. Oh, God, don't let this be the day he gets drilled. Um, Long story short, 
I could go with either way on this so long as both leagues have the same rule. The fact that one league has the rule and the other league doesn't just fucks everything up. I don't like it. I haven't liked it since Ron Blomberg. One way or the other, I don't care, but have a uniform rule. I would agree with that. I do, and I've always been like you. I I grew up, you know, like I said, I grew up a Cubs fan and a National League guy, and I was always anti-DH. But this the last couple of years, I've just changed my mind. And I, some of the arguments that, that my friends have made, you know, oh, well, what about double switch? Oh, yeah, that's great. So now I get to take one of my starting players out and put a scrub in from the bench. That's That's what I want to see. Well, you know, and, you know when, when you say when you say double switches, this is a, as a guy who was watching Twins baseball uh, in the '80s and that that first World Series against the Cardinals. And here's Tom Kelly managing in the National League ballpark, has no clue about this kind of stuff because he's an American League manager and a rookie manager at that, and he's wasting his double switches in the fifth and sixth inning, not ever realizing like, oh, what happens if this ball game goes to extras there, Tom? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, um, all of a sudden, Gary Gaetti is your bullpen guy, you know? Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, the DH, like I said, I just uniform rule. I don't care which way. Um, I think well, the, way my, it's gonna ha- the way it's going to have to go is it's going to have to go, the National League goes DH, and it's going to be one of these things that we use next time we have to placate the players' union for something because adding the DH in the National League means adding 15 more guys that are probably going to have pretty sizable contracts. True. Well, I, I always like, like my final argument on it is always it's like this. Would you rather watch John Lester, who's like 0 for 70 in his career, go up and bat, or would you rather watch Big Poppy go up and bat? Uh, it depends you know? on who I've got money on. <laughs> I just, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm just, like I said, I, I'm just tired of, of the ineptitude of, of pitchers. It, it seems like it's gotten worse. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe it's just my imagination, but it just seems like, like they've gotten worse. And, you know, Madden hits the pitcher eight, which that's fine with me. I, I've seen just as many spots come up with guys on base and the eight spot comes up for the pitcher as, would be if he was hitting ninth. I, I know his reasoning and his, you know, having somebody to be on base in front of the top of the order and the top of the order gets more at bats and all that. I get all that, but the actual, you know, procedure, like I said, to me, the whole batting order thing is overrated. Uh, You know, the leadoff guy, everybody thinks, Oh, we got to have this leadoff guy. Leadoff guy leads off once. That's the only time you're guaranteed to lead off. Well, and that yeah. was, you know, you know, Gene Mock fucked around with all that kind of stuff in the 70s where, you know, he would do things like, uh, you know, I remember him doing this with the Angels where all of a sudden Doug DeCense, his, you know, 30 home run third baseman, is his leadoff hitter, and his justification for that was, well, that guy gets the most at-bats, and Doug yeah. DeCense is the guy that's doing the most with them. Now, the only problem was is that then he was putting a speed guy on the base uh, in the batting order behind DeSensei. So DeSensei would get a single, and then, you know, the big OPS, um, you know, fast base-stealing guy would get on behind him, and that meant Doug DeSensei was the front end of a lot of double plays. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, here and or there, I'll give you another thought on the designated hitter argument since you suck me into this. Um, <laughs> if you're going if, if to have the DH for pitchers, 
Why not have two or three DHs? Why not have a DH for your weak hitting catcher? There's a lot of catchers out there who can't hit. Why not have a DH for that shortstop who can't hit? I mean, you know, if you're the White Sox of the 80s, tell me how many times you'd love to send a guy up to the plate that wasn't Ozzie Guillen, you know? Yeah. Um, why not? Why that's, not? I mean. That's an interesting question, and maybe you know the answer to this. Is there a rule that states that your DH has to hit for the pitcher? Could I hit my DH for the shortstop and put the pitcher into the batting order? I believe that there is. Okay. I, I believe that the DH has to hit for the pitcher. I could okay. be wrong. Um, I, you I know, don't know. Like I said, if, I've if not watched Joe, the of American League Baseball. Uh, you if, know. if Joe West happens to be listening to the podcast, call in. Uh, <laughs> you know. Oh, wait. Let's, let's talk to a real umpire. Um, so that means no Joe West, no Angel Hernandez, no C.B. Buckner, no Charlie Relliford. Uh, uh, don't make me list all the umpires that give me high blood pressure. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think I think that is the case that he has okay. to hit for the pitcher. Um, okay. Otherwise, yeah. If I'm if I'm a team that you know you know I mean the Giants the Giants are in the National League, but I mean if I got a guy like Madison Bumgarner who's got like what two or three home runs already this year, I would much rather let him take his cuts and bat for oh you know Gregor Blanco or one of those right, you know outfielders I mean. that can't hit for. Damn thing. Um, the Cubs a few years ago, you'd have rather have had Carlos Zambrano hit than Ray Sanchez when you know when he was the Cubs shortstop. You know, I would rather let you hit than Ray Ray Sanchez. Um, <laughs> you know, I, my my eighty five year old grandmother who's got two artificial hips and artificial knee and has been dead for ten years. I but you, know, Ray Sanchez, that was. Well, you go in. in did he what? Did he even know what a bat was? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, Zambrano could hit. I, uh, he didn't make it, you know, because of his temper or whatever. I was always like, man, <laughs> they should try to try to make him an outfielder or something because he could hit and he was a switch hitter. Is this kind of a Latin version of Rick and Keel? Is that what we're going Yeah. At? Yeah, why not? I mean... <laughs> He had Ankiel-like control at some points, but uh, well, that's might, true. Yeah, might have been a cheap shot, but uh, no, with that, um, yeah, I, you know, with that, uh, if we've got uh, got no other thoughts on the designated hitter or the 2015 Cubs, uh, any any final thoughts? Otherwise, we're going to bring this to a close today. I think. No, we're just like I said. I I expect to uh, end up like I said, like about where we are now. I'm hoping to be in that wild card spot and go to the playoffs because you know a lot of wild card teams have gone to the World Series since they've implemented this. No, that's so, that's uh, true. We'll see what we we'll see what happens. There's still a lot of baseball yet to be played. Okay. Well, with that, we're going to bring this episode of uh, Radio JW to a close. Uh, like I said, you can find us on the blog at dubsism.wordpress.com. You can find us on uh, Facebook, uh, follow us on Twitter, at Dubsism, D-U-B-S-I-S-M. Google it, we're out there. Uh, anything you want to plug today, Jason, or are we all done? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. It's uh, Jay Hickle, um, at Jay Hickle on Twitter. Um, that would be about it. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for, being, uh, thanks for being with us today, Jason, and we uh, hopefully will uh, have you back when we get closer to football season. I'm sure you're going to want to talk a little bit about the Patriots once we know what the beginning of their season is going to look like. Yep, I'd love to. 
All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll have our people call your people. We'll get that set up. But in the meantime, take care. Enjoy uh, enjoy whatever day you're uh, having listening to this podcast, and we will talk to you in the future. And during the few moments that we have left, we want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. Let me be your hog. It's Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.